Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia and together with me, uh, ruining his Sunday night <laughs> in our studio is Pramod Kumar Buravalli. How are you, Pramod? Good. I have not slept actually properly ever since uh, Balakot and post Balakot. Even <laughs> during Pulwama, that was one day or two days. <laughs> then I felt that you know, the Indian government might have slept off uh, and you know, no, no action is forthcoming. Then all of a sudden, ever since Balakot and the post-Balakot things have somehow... Don't, 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 don't give everything away. So yeah. I need to... So 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 since Pramod and I decided to ruin our Sunday nights, we decided to make it a little better for us. So uh, with, with us is our special guest from Delhi, uh, de- defense analyst, uh, author, columnist, Abhijit Ayer Mitra. Um, thank you, Abhijit, for ruining your Monday morning on our podcast <laughs> with us. <laughs> Happy Mahashivaratri, no problem at all. I landed up at office this morning hoping to work huh. and it was closed. So I'm happy to spare my Shivaratri morning helping you guys out uh, and decoding this whole Har Har Mahadev, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, happy, yeah, absolutely. Happy, happy, Shivra, happy Mahashivaratri. Um, we are about two hours away in US from Mahashivaratri, but yes. And, uh, you know, in any case right now, let's, let's, let's talk about what, uh, I'll give a brief overview of what has happened because a lot has happened in the last 10, 15 days. So it all started with the yeah. Pulwama attack where tragically more than 40 CRPF Jawans were martyred, uh, where um, a youth uh, r- rammed his SUV laden with explosives in uh, in Pulwama in Kashmir uh, of course uh, Jaisha Muhammad led by Maulana Masood Azhar uh, has claimed the responsibility for the attack um, after the Pulwama attack the Indian Air Force struck various targets in uh, one of them primarily being Balakot in Pakistan and uh, there were of course casualties and stuff um, since then there w- there was another uh, uh, episode or so where uh, two f16s came from the pakistani so side retaliatory, retaliatory uh, uh, attack from the pakistan side not just two f16s it was an entire formation that uh, broke into three anyway we'll come to uh-huh, we'll, we'll come to the specifics i'm just right. giving there and uh, we shot down uh, an f16 but um, unfortunately one of our pirates uh, wing commander abhinandan uh, was uh, captured in pakistan two days later he was released and then um, on the sidelines of this, there was also the whole diplomatic debate with Imran Khan, foreign policy and all. So as I said, a lot to decode. And before much further ado, Abhijit, what are your initial thoughts about this, about what has happened? And I'm just talking about primarily Pulwama and uh, the strike after that. Okay. So Pulwama was a clear case of... um uh, you know, uh, security procedures breached and things like that. Mm. So, for example, that uh, such a long convoy shouldn't have been traveling by itself. There were over 2,700 CRPF people traveling in that convoy mm. and uh, single line and there should have never been road traffic allowed on the side, especially when we had warnings of uh, an imminent attack. And those uh, warnings were there for everybody to see. Uh, the problem, of course, is, you know, how do you take a warning seriously? Mm. Because, you know, normally what happens here is 
that every guy who doesn't have primary intel will issue a security warning hmm. and he'll say better be careful hmm. and that's just to cover his thing uh, his own am i allowed to say ass the lady have said it now so cover his own ass because uh, you know he doesn't want to get caught up in an inquiry later saying why didn't you pick up on the same time so the question of course was why did they uh, not heed the intel and that's very simple because these intel you know they keep throwing so much intel at you it becomes impossible to pick out the correct intel the problem here is that there should have been when you have so many soldiers traveling together you should have followed certain security precautions which were clearly not followed hmm. right so uh, th- that's an operational issue that has to be sorted out it, it's not a governmental uh, thing at the moment at least hmm. but that's what happened at pulwama and this uh, nut job because i refuse to even acknowledge his humanity in this case this nut job let's call him for what he is hmm. uh, nut job terrorist decides to come and blow this thing up Hmm. So remember here that you're looking at several levels of failure. How did 300 kgs worth of explosives? Hmm. Uh, how how was it al- allowed to accumulate and all of that? Right, hmm. all of this is very problematic. So there's definitely some kind of an intelligence introspection required uh, at this stage of the Pulwama attack. Uh, because there have been several levels of failure out there. No, and this seems uh, to be a pattern, right? What happened in Uri? What happened in Pulwama? Attacking bases, right? Exactly. Now, here's the thing. It, it 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 has been a systematic pattern, and people who say, you know, Imran Khan, great Imran Khan, this Imran Khan, that, hmm. we all know. We've been saying since day one, Imran Khan is an ISI stooge. He's got hmm. no power of in the of his own, and I think he'll be one of those people who, uh, thankfully, you know, is stupid enough to understand his own limitations. Hmm. He wasn't called him the dim for no reason at all. <laughs> so he's uh, uh, he understands his limitations. But but let, let, let's 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 take up talk about Imran later. Let's stick to uh, Pulwama and then the strikes post Pulwama. Yeah. So so this is what happened at Pulwama. Hmm. Now remember what happened at Pulwama is actually very distressing because when people went in then to rescue these guys hmm. the locals started stone pelting them to prevent the rescue from happening right hmm. Hmm. So there's a whole set of issues out there anyway hmm. so obviously terrible strike ladida we decide to go in for a target now the hmm. target was extremely well chosen uh, you know there's one of these things if you remember during kargil hmm. people went on asking one of the criticisms i don't remember if you remember the tv coverage during kargil was why aren't you hitting them you're showing us these videos of all these guys accumulating at a spot why hmm. aren't you hitting them immediately because it's called economy of effort you allow enough of them 15 20 30 of them to accumulate at a spot and then you hit them for maximum damage because precision strike equipment mm. a single bomb costs close to a million dollars it's very very expensive uh, material you know you just can't waste it on one or two people mm. so what happened here was this was the optimal target it was a uh, 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 and and you're talking uh, about balakot yeah about balakot it yeah. was a jaish e mohammed camp where the normal the norm has been that we hit back only at pakistan occupied kashmir mm. and they hit back at our kashmir right mm. we don't uh, escalate things outside of kashmir mm. this camp was in pakistan proper it was in khyber pakhtunkhwa what used to be known as the northwest frontier mm. so mm. we have gone and targeted it mm. and it was a very good target because this was one of those uh, think of it as jihad hilton not jihad four seasons or whatever you want to call it <laughs> Uh, yeah. luxury camp uh-huh. uh, uh okay not luxury no swimming pool and everything but uh, by jihadi standards very good uh-huh. and there are some like 50 60 at least 50 60 
recruits in their final stages of training ready to be pushed out into india sooner rather than later being supervised mind you mm. by isi agents not serving isi agents but retired isi operatives and so on and so forth mm. so this is very clearly a very high value target and if you read the words of the official briefing it says it was an intelligence driven strike which is we got intel about it we verified it we saw to it that there were enough people out there enough people of stature to be hit mm. and we hit it and it's definitely there is very i mean this is unambiguous even though it's circumstantial evidence hmm. it is unambiguous that the pakistani military sealed off that area they cut off all communications in that area hmm. they even cut off power in the area so you can't recharge your phones and things like that for hmm. a short period of time uh, so on so forth and what happened was uh, you know in in those areas people are very scared of the army when the army says you will not post videos or pictures or ladida you listen to the pakistan army it's not like india where you know a cop comes to you and says hey uh, ye karo and you're like you give him the middle finger and run off and things mm-hmm. like that you, you know very very used to that kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. i mean you should have seen uh, all the dramas i did in the lead up to odisha also na like uh, i didn't really seem particularly scared or anything so like no i i actually i i was actually saving that once we are done with this like talking about you are an odisha survivor So I am. So I, I actually like Odisha. Huh? The Odisha police is actually really nice. They're very professional and nice. <laughs> But that's a different matter. I, I mean, I was lucky enough to get the nice police. Uh, huh? Let's face it. Sometimes police in this country aren't very nice. But anyway, yeah. there huh? in Pakistan, you huh? are shit scared of the army. Hmm. You, if the army gives you instructions for better or worse, you just obey it. Hmm. You don't uh, uh, circumvent army regulations and so hmm. on and so forth. Hmm. So. what's happened is these guys have uh, cordoned off the area there have been clear reports i have secondary hand sources in islamabad that have confirmed this to me and my italian friend francesca who wrote that piece for first post confirmed mm. it first hand because she's got very very deep sources in there yeah. and it has been confirmed that uh, there was a uh, at least 15 to 16 ambulances that went into that area picking up Some so, would have been dead. Okay. But what but, but before Pramod comes right. in, just one question, uh, Abhijit. So I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt, and I don't want to kick any hornet's nest here. But the real point of contention uh-huh. seems to be basically the number of casualties. There is almost right. confirmation that the camps were hit. Now Pakistan, of course, is going to deny it. But then they also denied Osama yeah. bin Laden. They also keep denying Masood Azhar's location. They also keep denying Daud Ibrahim's location. <laughs> so of course. Huh. so pakistan is of course going to deny it and i think the casualties part can be debated uh, at a separate debate about what kind of a bomb was used what happened since uh, you know how many people were injured how many were there the major thing was that there were some camps that existed and they were you know found out and hit and this pramod will tell me he was saying and i i'll, I'll let pramod come in for a minute and then we'll come back to you abhijit in a second yeah. uh, what were you saying pramod no the sars basically take take near uh, uh, the synthetic aperture radars just take uh, uh, the task of their th- uh, those radars are basically to take as uh, uh, you know as clear uh, images as possible so what one of my uh, biggest thought process was that is there a, a political reason why the battle assessment damage has not been released because uh, you know in this day and age Uh, a a yeah. temporary temporary structure can be erected in the place of a damaged structure in no time because you you try your best even with the uh, the satellite uh, you know capabilities that I, you know i have access to as well we were able to say see pretty much right after the day 
that there were uh, four buildings at least that got uh, wiped out in that vicinity but now i can't uh, i can't see anything so uh, what what are your thoughts what's going on in india why why is this delay is this just a political decision to release it right before the elections or uh, what are your thoughts no i think i i think the uh, problem here is and it's a very valid problem you remember again during kargil we uh, we uh, released those audio recordings of uh, a general talking to the uh, prime minister in islamabad i think it was the prime minister somebody else in uh, beijing at the time right. coordinating and that was an extremely high level source and once we uh, put it out Uh, for publicity reasons that entire intelligence source was compromised after that that wiretap was discovered and we couldn't use it anymore you remember that right, right? yeah so this is the reason there's uh, hard operational reasons for not releasing synthetic aperture radar imagery and these days you know radar imagery is very accurate it's almost like a photo think of it as Correct. a black and white photo like Correct. you see well think of it as um, you know the way the predator sees arnold schwarzenegger in those uh, uh predator series mm, correct correct uh, so uh, but and much better version of that right it's it's almost photographic right now the thing is when you put that out mm. uh you're basically compromising uh your resolution you're showing the pakistanis how much resolution you have uh and they then know how to mask targets after that mm, right but abiji they know how to would yeah. you at this point in stay stay stage say yeah. that we should show our resolve more than resolution i mean resolution you 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 have so much capability these days with isro and uh, yeah. naturally with uh, uh, you know uh, raw that you i mean yeah. uh, pakistanis are way behind us right so why 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 not take advantage and uh, take the international community into confidence that uh, this yeah. is this is i mean i i don't i don't buy this argument quite you, you know i don't know if uh, this is convincing enough See, for you i don't i don't buy it either the problem here is that this is the way the military thinks right right so there's nothing we can do about it unfortunately their thought processes are quite outdated hmm. they have absolutely modern equipment uh the problem is we don't know what the pakistanis know or we don't know exactly what the pakistani masking capability is mm. because once you release it you can always mask it differently right then it's a it's a game all over again because intelligence is always a game of catch up you mm. never have such an overwhelming advantage over somebody that it can't be overridden this was the same trap the israelis fell into in the yom kippur war right mm. the uh, egyptian masking worked really really well so uh, again it's an operational call uh, not a political call it's a, a completely operational call and i um, I personally think that the technology uh, differential is so great that we shouldn't worry about it anymore. Right. But and 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 again, again we're we not the ones making the call. And again, uh, I agree with you that the technological capabilities uh, coupled with the delivery mechanisms and I think we we've uh, kind of pondered over, over it in the in the past as well uh, whether uh, we have to expose all of our delivery capabilities. I'm I was very surprised again i'm i'm taking it to the next uh, level when uh, either either the indian establishment defense establishment did not expect uh, pakistan to come back with such a, 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 a you know kind of a concerted effort at uh, nowshera uh, but why were yeah. why were real uh, i mean uh, there are sam sites that can be activated why why was a combat air patrol okay. required to take uh, for for all our uh, listeners who are not defense geeks sam sites means he means surface to air missiles right why were they <laughs> just not give them the explanation right if, if the fear was of collateral uh, damage if the fear was 
that you don't want your pilots to be exposed to that kind of uh, uh, you know ambush why don't you activate your sam sam sites and take some of the those aircraft so some of them were for god's sake some of them were mirage 5s and uh, i don't know if jf 17s were uh, were involved in that patrol i'm i'm trying to get uh, more information in that uh, so the now here's the thing the problem is when you mount a covert operation the way the balakot strike was the main element there is information security right mm. now once you're having a general war and you decide to do one spectacular strike like that it doesn't matter because everything is out in the field everybody's fighting anyway right. so that's not a problem here everything is in a state of calm and you're suddenly launching a strike hmm. right so you have to keep masking everything so if it if they see movement of uh, all these missiles and ladida going up to kashmir they would have known something is up and something is coming right hmm. that's one possible explanation so there's three possible explanations here one is for operational security reason the uh, second is uh, incompetence hmm. and the third is a mix of both a bit of incompetence and not foreseeing uh, uh, the variables so, also and a bit of operational security also i mean this was a, a bit of an unconventional thing also because you like you said normally we would have retaliated in pakistan occupied kashmir but this we were going into deep into pakistan and we were targeting a sort of a terrorist camp um, and not a, it was not a pakistani military target and stuff pakistan on the other hand uh, i mean they had no there are no terrorist camps in india so they were of course going to target the indian military correct right so that the so ha huh. ah so but it was critically important we did that see because the ones in pakistan occupied kashmir yeah. were probably expecting something like this to happen mm. so they're all dispersed by then and been uh, gone underground and so on and so forth and normally see there's no such thing as a terrorist camp per se huh. this was unusual in that it was a terror university no so i i i deliberately sort of- i deliberately used that term because i saw your tweets about it and i agree with your tweet <laughs> about it mm. So the thing was here in Pakistan occupied Kashmir it would have been uh, completely dispersed you couldn't have gotten a, a valuable target at least worthy of the risk of an air strike or indeed worth the value of the weapon used hmm. whereas this one was a concentrated infrastructural target which also had human targets inside hmm. which was absolutely risk worthy that's why it was chosen hmm. and in that it was a very good choice because i'm estimating that they've eroded their capability for quite some time right mm. they're not they're going to be thinking see you have to you can't just look at the direct cost direct cost maybe for the next 2 3 years their intake of militants to smuggle across the border as well as their trainers have been wiped out mm. right mm. Mm. that's a capacity that we built up in 2 3 years but look at the non direct uh, costs that have been imposed mm. they no longer have that sense of impunity that we can be anywhere in pakistan as long as it's not in pakistan occupied kashmir we can operate openly we can concentrate ourselves for example hafiz said in his uh, 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 little seminary in lahore mm. will now be very seriously scared he'll be leading he'll be shifted from place to place it causes severe inconvenience to him it disrupts their uh, Uh, overground networks and so on so forth no he can't so, do public uh, rallies as the way they they did earlier yeah he he no longer he'll 
uh, he may do a public rally. See, even Hezbollah, despite all of Israel's pinpoint mm. immediate strikes, mm. Hezbollah manages to carry off one or two of these massive rallies where their leader comes out and gives speeches. Mm. That you can't avoid completely, but at least they will think five, six, seven times before they do it now. Huh. So, so and that in itself imposes disproportionate costs on their organizational capabilities excellent point i think this is a good stopping point for part one part two we'll talk about abhinandan uh, the reaction since in imran khan but one thing i want to wrap up um, part one say one thing i want to say and wrap up part one is also more than that india also demonstrated an intent that we will not shy to strike in the heart of pakistan if you know something like this happens because earlier this i mean we had strategic restraint and god knows what and i think this ties into the foreign policy argument when we talk about what india's approach to imran khan has been so that's what we'll talk about in part 2 uh, about what happened in the events after captain abhinandan uh, sorry wing commander abhinandan's capture and release and then the foreign policy decisions so yeah so then the discussion, uh, uh, you know, you would think part, if, if part one was strategic, part two has become like on foreign policy. And in a weird way, the discussion of Pulwama um, and our strike since has kind of veered that way. So as I said earlier in the first uh, thing, Wing Commander Abhinandan uh, Vartaman was uh, tragically captured in Pakistan. So did he, did he really uh, uh, disobey the ground controller and uh, he went ahead with the hot pursuit of the F-16 or was that standard protocol to keep at a target when no, he, no. there was a lock on? Look, here's the point. You can't, the, the whole point of modern technology is not to micromanage the soldier. Hmm. Be it an air soldier, be it a ground soldier, you're not meant to micromanage them, right? Hmm. They, they have to take advantage of opportunity. And in this case, he took advantage of an opportunity. He shot down an F-16 mm. and he got shot down. Now, remember, we only mobilized about uh, seven or was it eight aircraft it to face yeah. a 24 aircraft package. Correct. And you had to do it because had he not gone in and done what he did, they would have bombed your brigade headquarters in Nojera. Right. right. So he did what absolutely needed to be done. So this whole story about him disobeying orders is complete rubbish. And second of all, it also betrays a... Uh, uh, unfortunately, in India, we have this thing that everybody needs to be controlled. You know, when the MiG-21 first came online, mm. the uh, Soviets were so paranoid about controlling as opposed to the Americans who used to give their uh, soldiers on the field complete freedom to do what they wanted. The Soviets were so paranoid that Russians uh, pilots couldn't even fire their own missiles. Mm. The uh, missiles, they had to line up a firing solution and then the ground controller would launch the missiles on the plane. Mm. So the uh, pilot was just that. He was a pilot. He wasn't even authorized to. Uh, uh, and you know, the initial MiG-21 didn't have even have a gun. It was an all-missile plane. So, so th th there's this paranoia about controllers and chain of command and blah mm. blah blah complete rubbish so I'm, I'm, no, was required uh, and in any case mm. and in any case remember we're talking about very high speeds you're even if you're not going supersonic and uh, dogfights never happen at supersonic speed because the g-forces are too high mm. you're looking at extremely high speeds of thousand kilometers per hour or mm. more where you know literally in one second you've already crossed about 10 kilometers here yeah. So my last question was the the, the F-16s that went up against uh, 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 MiG-21, and I promise I'll uh, I'll uh, tone down my technical uh, uh, <laughs> this thing. Uh, is yeah. that uh, was the the F-16? The not uh, these these were not the upgraded F-16s with the uh, BVRs because 
the Pakistanis did uh, have lock on on the uh, mix as well, and yet they 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 never released. Uh, or was it a ground fire that took uh, uh, the MiG twenty one down? No, no. This was definitely air fire because this wasn't a uh, uh, this thing. This uh, was the, all their Pakistani F uh, sixteens uh, have been upgraded, right? Mm. They've gone in several packages of upgrades, but they've all been upgraded. Had it not been the upgraded F sixteen, then it would it wouldn't have used an Amram. We've used a Sparrow missile. Uh, which was the original missile mated to the F-16. Uh, so the very fact that an AMRAAM was used shows us these are upgraded planes. Okay. Now the thing is, you can't just. They would have come inside or threatened to come inside, and they don't. They're just not going to start shooting planes at random because they don't know what will face them when they come out of Indian territory, right? Mm. So you always spare your missiles for only when you're challenged, not before that. Mm. So it it was definitely an upgraded F-16, uh, faced by an upgraded MiG-21, and uh, it, the problem was facing. What is the remark? They show that we only won, uh, lost one. Right. Yeah. So so you don't buy the political argument that had a Rafale been in place, the outcome would have been different. Okay. So. So sorry, we we apologies to our listeners. We just lost Abhijit because of a bad connection for like ten seconds. But what he was basically trying, he just summarized that um, uh, you know we lost the one. They lost the one plane which was shot right. down. Uh, but so you are you don't buy the political argument that had we had a Rafael, the outcome would have been any different. Abhijit. No, I don't. Okay. 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 So, so I, I don't buy that argument. Okay. Yeah. So coming to coming to the coming to the foreign policy and the optics argument that came in. So obviously, once uh, you know, uh, we complete much, a lot of praise for Wing Commander Abhinandan, who was you know who was steadfast and who did not cow down in the extremely face of extremely professional in the state of yeah. a very hostile adversary. Yeah. And he, I mean, locals yeah. who yeah. tried to beat him up. Uh, earlier when he uh, uh, the face of courage absolutely but then when he was being yeah. released first of all pakistan made a whole drama of it that um, that imran was doing out of some goodwill he was actually doing he had to do it according to the geneva convention and then there were a few media personalities on in the indian side who bought into this bullshit i mean i'm sorry i, I don't find any other word to describe that it, it, and kept yeah. saying thank you Imran Khan thank you Imran Khan as if he was some doing some great you know uh, uh, gesture and <clears throat> another thing that bothered me was they released a doctored video it was clearly doctored the Pakistanis and then they uh, said procedural delays and then created a whole spectacle of the near the Atari border border so basically the Pakistanis were definitely going to create a spectacle and portrayed as they were doing it out of some great goodwill gesture. Why did sections of our media fall for this bullshit? So look, uh, you have to look, uh, understand that journalists, there's a great advantage to having generalists as journalists, right? There's, <laughs> there's a case to be made for heavy specialists, but there's also a case to be made for generalists huh. because they are meant to be neutral observers who don't understand. The problem is that over the last 10, 15 years, we have started confusing news and opinion, right? Mm -hmm. News is very expensive to collect. Opinion is not. Anybody can give an opinion, mm. right? Uh, so uh, you remember what Hitler used to say about Picasso, that any man who paints the sky green and the earth blue ought to be sterilized. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's like that. You can paint the sky blue and the uh, earth, uh, sorry, the sky green and the earth blue. Mm. Uh, and that is what most op-ed people do. They're offering opinions. They're not op offering hard facts. So mm. here what happened was 
that this man has been shot down hmm. he is forced to make videos which anyway you are meant to cooperate as long as you're not what you protect is operational secrets right hmm. if they ask you to do something else like make propaganda videos for them and ladita you're anyway meant to cooperate with them otherwise there is a fear that you will be tortured so we have to look after the uh, soldier in question as well theek hai na so he did what he was told to do and he did not divulge any operational details hmm. however what happens here is there was a clear violation of the geneva conventions in first those soldiers not even arresting the people who beat him up you are meant to protect them as if they they meant to enjoy standards equivalent to your people right so the fact that he was beaten up and nobody was charged with it nobody was arrested itself was a violation of the geneva convention mm. parading him to undue the uh, exact words used are undue public curiosity mm. like this putting him in front of cameras making videos ladida is again a violation of the geneva convention mm. and if you remember the american bar association called them out the washington post called them out everybody called them out for it except us apparently mm. uh that <coughs> and then there was nothing left after you violated the geneva convention so blatantly put up videos and things like that what do you do you're stuck in a stuck between a rock and a hard place it's a different thing that you make a, a virtue out of necessity right mm. the necessity was that they had to release him immediately they mm. made a virtue out of it and this is where people fell for it because they went on saying bring abinandan back the, uh, the the first piece of bullshittery in this wasn't the thank you for bringing him back it was saying bring him back mm. he is a soldier he is trained what to do even if he has to stay 1 2 3 years if it takes into a full scale long war he is trained to stay in those conditions no so they tried to make it a similar spectacle they tried to make it a similar spectacle during what they did during the ic814 hijacking which the irony was at that time the guy india was releasing was masood azhar the guy behind the attack that led to abinandan going in there in the first place exactly and this is the problem they clearly haven't learned from their own mistakes yeah and at least ic814 you can make a case that they were civilians they were under no obligation to stay and the indian government was duty bound to bring them back yeah. whether we like it or not yeah. this guy is a soldier he signed up for this kind of thing right we have a duty of care to him but it is not as immediate urgent or required as in the case of civilians mm-hmm. who are uh, other sets of rules apply to them so first of all they started up this thing the problem was it brought in a false equivalence and this was the genius of pakistan's media management which is that the strikes and the threats mm-hmm. were for stopping terror not for bringing wing commander abinandan back home mm-hmm. the problem with that bring wing commander abinandan back home hashtag was that it suddenly equated bringing him back home to a cessation of hostilities right mm. right which changed the entire narrative out there mm. and then of course i mean i'm not even going to go into the let's give imran a nobel peace prize uh, nonsense <laughs> because it's just such Nonsense. No, I but 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 Abhijit, no no no. In in all in all seriousness, we should give a prize from India to uh, Shah Mahmood Qureshi, because in his interviews he has pretty much produced India's next dossier. Exactly, not just Shah Mahmood Qureshi, but also uh, Gafur, because he basically gave us the evidence we needed of an F-16 shootout. Huh. <laughs> right. So I would definitely be nominating Qureshi Gafur. It should be a three-way split award. Huh. That, uh, and we should nominate Shah Faisal to decide who gets it. <laughs> 
actually we should nominate Shah Faisal also for that award. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but, uh, Shah Faisal for giving us the idea because you know there's sometimes people get uh, awards for uh, no, uh, and, 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 and there was a guy called sorry there, there was, was a guy, guy called? called Norman Angle. Hmm. Uh, Norman Angle he wrote a book called The Great uh, Illusion hmm. uh, in uh, 19 Five or in 1914, I forget. Saying mm. why the world was so interconnected, mm. uh, war was impossible anymore. And obviously, the uh, within three four years, World War One started. <laughs> But this man was actually given the Nobel Peace Prize for coming up with this idea that interconnectivity leads to uh, peace. You can look it up, Norman. Well, I will. For the low credibility of And... Nobel Nobel Committee, uh, I can't tell you. Uh, after Obama prematurely got the Nobel Peace exactly. Prize, exactly. Obama doing got a prize just for making ah, that speech in yeah, Prague, right? Yeah. So and uh, and it was such a big thing that the State Department actually used to run a series of programs for young people called Generation Prague, yeah. as if it was the new oh, generation yeah. of dunces and dumb fools yeah. that had come up uh, influenced just by his Prague speech and so on and so forth. So certainly, if Obama and uh, Norman Angle can get awards for uh, really stupid ideas. I think Shah Faisal should get a Mahan Nobel Award for his stupid idea. So, so what next? Uh, moving on to uh, Abhi's, uh, uh, you know, uh, next uh, uh, steps would probably uh, be debriefing. Would he be allowed to talk to the media, or would he be able to just uh, put on? I, I, we've heard that he's ha- he's uh, suffered some injuries, internal injuries, especially in the ribcage area. So, uh, so what is the normal procedure? Does he get cleared for flying again, or does he fly transports like what uh, Nachiketa is doing? Right? No, no, no. Look, it it will depend on how his recovery goes. Right. Uh, there'll be a whole. It, it's not just determined. It will take about a year or so to determine. See, because the healing process also has to be factored in here. Right. Uh, uh, because the ejection itself. I mean, forget the landing. Ejection itself is such an extraordinarily violent uh, process. Right. Uh, you basically have explosive charges under your seat that are propelling you out of your plane. Right. From Uh, almost thousand plus kilometers per hour into a sudden stop, yeah. and then bringing you down to earth. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, look, most of us our bones would crack and we would die right there. No, and you are how many thousand feet above air? That too. Exactly. So all of that has to be factored in, right? So it isn't uh, such an easy process. There's a full health checkup. It maybe take a year, two years before they determine what kind of injuries he sustained. What of it? Is, uh, which part of it is chronic injury? Which part of it is curable? If it cures, so on and so forth. And then you get reinducted back in, or not, as the case may be. No, and let's not forget. Also, he was hit by a lot of locals as well. So that's also the case, which exactly. must have compounded to his injuries. But 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 exactly. we are nearing to the end. The last five ten minutes. So I want to wrap up by <clears throat> talking about the you know the larger picture of the India Pakistan issue where it stands. Because what has happened is right now, if you look at New York Times, Washington Post, and all that, and of course Pakistan has some very good uh, 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 people who always keep making their case. Or a very yeah. uh, well connected people here. With the, with the deep state. With the deep, <laughs> deep shallow state, whatever. With the deep state, even even abroad, because uh-huh. you know the problem here is uh, that, and Christine Fair has nailed this. Even though I can't stand the woman, mm-hmm. um, she's an absolutely vile creature, but she's got a first rate mind, or at least had a first rate mind. Uh, and a great she book. She makes this case very well. Uh-huh. and she makes this case very well that you know india treats everybody like dirt mm. so nobody wants to advocate an indian position mm. whereas in pakistan even a gora chaprasi who lands up there from the state department will be given a meeting with the chief of army staff and with the prime minister and what not 
so that when he's in a position he will also influence it so for oh, example yeah. if he's a chaprasi at state <clears throat> he will then you know pass on seemingly useless but actually crucial tactical information to pakistan no and the power of propaganda so, right because right now if you look at new york times and washington post post jab masood azhar jaish e mohammed that's all disappeared see see what uh, abhiji i have always been saying as a swayam saver that when uh, my co-brothers uh, talk about uh, india becoming a vishwa guru there is a lot of uh, internalization that needs to happen before you even attempt to uh, try to be the vishwa guru when you end up taking the invitation abruptly at an oic knowing that it is a trap uh, and then going yeah. and uh, giving a ghamasan speech quoting islam and then getting lectured after a notice that is not being a vishwa guru that is that is just being uh, very naive that strategic planning and you did allude to that of how uh, careless we are to to you know complete that sir that cycle even mm-hmm. if this is a temporal cycle however well planned your armed forces might be there are several other aspects of diplomacy there are several aspects of your own uh, um, you know uh, financial obligations you have and then you take that step forward this was completely like you are taking every chance that is being thrown at you although if even if it is a trap uh, but, but and before you respond to that but see here again Ah, no, one last point. What do you buy? Do you buy into these rumors, these nonsense rumors of Masood Azhar being dead? Well, I don't buy it. I don't buy. It. I mean, I have not yet met a single credible source who can confirm that. I don't buy it, and I'll tell you why. Because had it been the case that he had been hit in those strikes, hmm. both my sources and Francesca's sources, that would have been the first thing they told us. Right. Right. It. None of them told us this. Hmm. Right, so obviously it's not true hmm. because uh, this uh, hitting Masood Azhar would be so momentous. The, the strike, they, they won't tell us that there was a strike. They'll just say you killed Masood Azhar. But everybody else would be uh, a footnote uh, in, in the whole uh, narrative. Right? No, no, and there are three so, theories going on. Okay, one is he died with a strike or a kidney failure or a uh, some liver failure. The funny thing is, in two thousand two, Ashok Malik dug up this article that Par- uh, Parvez Musharraf said that Osama bin Laden also died with a kidney failure. So, मतलब Pakistan's bullshit o- over seventeen years has been the same. Kidney failure, सब को मरवा दो. standard routine it's been a standard routine the masters of disinformation see they put out enough information outside mm-hmm. that they can say later on that and see this is one of the problems this could also be a ruse for to put masood azhar into deep hiding mm-hmm. pretend that he is dead when in fact he isn't because you know uh, otherwise musharraf couldn't have come out so blatantly and said i believe he was killed in 2003 in a uh, in the american bombing of tora bora and all of that no <laughs> oh, that is what no, they no, did with uh, of tora bora Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what they have done so, with uh, Ayman Al Zawahiri, your uh, uh, Mullah Omar, and that is. Uh, and and, and I keep exactly. no no, and so, I keep. So they sorry, might have, it may very well be the case, but uh, going back to the what you said about the OIC, hmm. look, fifty-fifty. I think with the benefit of hindsight, we should have gotten certain guarantees. Hmm. But look at the end result. We walk into the OIC. We are not. We are lectured, but we are not condemned. Hmm. specifically for the strike in uh, balakot hmm. and you do it in such a way that pakistan is so upset they boycott the oic meeting right hmm. it, it's a very powerful message that's sent out hmm. so i'd say it was still 50 50 do i uh, 
would i have done it personally probably <coughs> not but then look that's an entirely personal choice these things are very hard to uh, uh gauge unless you have all the information that's available to the foreign minister in front of you okay so b- before before we wrap up because you know right now uh, indian self self uh, uh, or i would call it self called liberals or left who call themselves left liberals right they they love reading their own and being in an echo chamber yeah. so if they don't like yeah. what we've said said i'm going to quote this piece written by a, a journalist and i'm going to tell his name after i've read this paragraph in 2016 after uri that they said that um, talk to the basically he said that finally it boils down to an essential crisis of character educated indians are just too frightened by the idea of war we are embarrassed by naked patriotism and we think that diplomacy still holds answer even answers even though it has failed time and again with pakistan indira gandhi had no time for peaceniks and cowardly intellectuals she knew how to take decisive action i am hoping narendra modi will follow her example and the title of the piece is india must give war with pakistan a chance it's written by veer sangvi <laughs> so Yeah. Oh dear. But have you noticed Veer Sangvi hasn't really been opposing this strike at all? No, he never does. So Veer Sangvi, Veer, Veer has always, uh, you know, b- come out said, and he actually starts the saying there is a st- uh, there is a stultifying sameness to the Indian response after each terror attack launched by Pakistani elements, and in there he says that India should take out Masood Azhar and JEM in strikes in the peace. This is after Uri. and i think that, uh, with this thing veer has actually been very consistent because he's been very supportive of what's happened with the strikes yeah. if you notice he hasn't joined the rest of the uh, liberal gang yeah. in uh, 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 you know posturing or whatever yeah, i, I yeah, don't know yeah. what it is they're doing but this so veer is fairly consistent that way uh-huh. so i i am very partial to veer because he's also got a very fine palate like me <laughs> yes touched with fine wines and foie gras oh, so, so you guys will get and along very well with adit uh, no i i always joke with veer that i disagree with him on 10000 things but then on pakistan and he's he's again like me uh, a, a jain guy who loves his single malts so <laughs> and, and the food <laughs> and the food so a man with Like Lee Sangvi is very difficult to disagree with. Uh, no, but I so disagree with ten thousand other things. Uh, this, I, I disagree with a lot of things he says. But uh, but, but that that's separate. Man with good taste is difficult. Ha, uh, but but then then and we have not talked about your muh boli behna, but that's later. <laughs> one last thing abhijit on a, a serious note before we talk about recommendations and other uh, subtle things uh, yeah. the casualty rate in uh, uh, these anti terror operations i fail to understand uh, is is our ground intelligence uh, uh, not getting relayed so quickly that uh, a preemptive action can be taken against these terrorists that are getting uh, uh, you know uh, i mean the other day one uh, terrorist who pretended to be dead how how silly is that takes out five of your soldiers you know is that is that a, a way of even doing things or are they not using high caliber rifles you know the reality is our intelligence is in absolute shambles and you know this is something that is common to all third world countries right uh, in third world countries you invest unfortunately in platforms you don't invest in the human being because human life and human capacity addition is not a concept that third world countries understand and unfortunately that is the problem out here mm. we have allowed 
we believe that investing in high technology is a substitute for having highly trained human beings you know training human beings doesn't start when you join the military it starts at a very early age and you know it defrays a lot of the military training costs so for example if you look at america or france in any military the intake will always be from a military intake is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly across any country is from your blue collar is even your blue collar laborer in france or uh, america will have an excellent education can probably afford a playstation 2 or something a playstation 3 i don't know what the latest version is for christmas or whatever and they're able to process computers and large quantities of information and so on so forth very very quickly you can't do that in india see so the training curve is much higher the investment requirement is much much higher it's a vicious cycle uh, so you know even expecting that kind of first world intelligence and remember in uh, america israel france anything like that it's all operations are intelligence driven we only see the strike at the end which costs about 1% of the total cost 99% of the cost it's like the tip of an iceberg actually goes into all the intel and the uh, isr you know information surveillance reconnaissance platform that has uh, produced the targeting information and the timing information for an attack uh, we don't get that in this country which is why you know our attacks will never be as successful as they are in uh, first world countries Actually, that's a great point and i'm mean, wrapping up and going to recommendations in a second but what you said because digvijay singh the eternal foot in the mouth guy of congress said something about the america also showed proof of osama bin laden's thing now i personally think he confused zero party the movie with jessica chastain as official american proof but the reason is I mean, yeah. The reason I mention it is because what you said, what zero dark thirty, and you don't realize that this strike, which happens only in the ten minutes, last ten minutes, and which lasts a few hours, there are a few years of research that proceed in the two hours and ten minutes before the strike, and that's what the funds is. I mean, look at exactly. the failures they had as well with so many bomb blasts at American exactly. to get to Osama bin Laden. Exactly. Saddening to hear you say this because I always felt ever, ever, every time I go to uh, India, the armed forces are special people. But uh, you know, remember that movie Lagan in which uh, in the first uh, few instances in the game itself, everybody is trying to grab, get, get that ball. The contest, जिसके पास ball जाएगा वो ही दौड़ेगा. You know that is unfortunately what happens. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, in fact, even uh, the react to this in a very unorganized. Uh, look, uh, 
well, it's not a piece that I've read, but I'd really suggest watching something like Fauda, uh, the Israeli TV uh, series on countering terrorism, because it's probably the closest you uh, reality. I mean, it's fully realistic, but it's the closest you come to reality because what it teaches you is that intelligence and target do every time you are attacked. It has to be a continuous operation that exists in spite of if you are attacked or not. And this is something we don't get in this country that we seriously need to get. Of course, many of are concerned that I can't breathe air, but... Oh, that's for another... That's for a single malt discussion. Exactly, that's a single malt discussion, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I think the biggest loser in all of this is 21 billion dollars lost to Lockheed Martin. A dear friend of mine heads that uh, division, and I, I was chatting with him that you guys should have positioned the F-35 or whatever else. They're making a new uh, fight. Boeing is making a new situation just for Australia. These guys don't take India See, the problem here again is operational security because the F-35 is such a heavily networked asset. You know, everybody complains that it can only carry two bombs and two air-to-air missiles internally. and all of that. They don't realize that the F-35 is the pinnacle of what we're talking about. That all 99% of the work is done, it is unsexy work that is done by data analysts and paper pushers behind the scenes. Not on the actual battlefield. The actual on battlefield thing is, even though it's the sexiest, it's the final link in a very, very long, tedious chain. And that's what the F-35 represents. So, you know, even if they push the F-35 to India, the question is, uh, infrastructurally, systemically, human capacity-wise, we're not ready for it. Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a great point in which to end the podcast. We have gone way over time, but this was an excellent discussion. I'm glad you could join us, Sadiji. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Just glad to talking to you guys and uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to me. Absolutely.